Hello, everyone. Welcome to my podcast, Outdream Your Doubles. Success despite the setup. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Guys, I have this is supposed to be my first guest co host. She was We're not going to talk about it. She was my first request. She was the first person that I asked. I knew she was going to be coming for a visit. And so you guys get a special treat today. This is like my bestie, Elena. Almost sisters. I mean, base, I don't know how we're not. I know. We might be. We might, we might <laughs> you be never know. I don't know. It's 2020, guys. Uh, we could find out something in the next few days. And it's been a be- year. <laughs> just bring it on. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad about it. But um, so... Yeah, so Elena and I, fun fact, we lived together for like nine months last year, 2019 into 2020. Yep. And you guys, if you if you follow us on social media, you probably know that, that we're ridiculous. Well, that we're we are a bit <laughs> ridiculous. We we crack ourselves up. But um we know each other because of our job, because of Monique. So you were living in Florida working, Monique. Yep. I started my business a little over two years ago. Um, started Monique, lived in Florida, basically had a lot of life stuff come up, new, moved to New York. And for a little bit, I was functioning as a single mom with two young kids. During that time, Andrea was kind of stepping in and just helping coach some people on my team, myself included. And so we just kind of started connecting like over Zoom calls and it wasn't really anything personal. It was just like we would talk about the business. But of mm-hmm. course, Andrea's Andrea. She like makes it personal. And so we would start talking and she just kind of got wind like oh, something's going on in her life and she was going through her stuff. So we just started connecting and before you know it, our FaceTimes for Monate would turn into FaceTimes for life. And we literally wouldn't even talk about Monate. Yeah. And then we just update each other constantly when stuff was going on. Fast forward a couple, I mean, literally a couple months, not that long. And I think I was living in a house with like 20 people. 27 people. And so Andrea jokingly was like, oh, you could just like come down and live with me. And I was like, <laughs> But really, <laughs> because like, don't joke about that with me. I'm totally shameless right now. I'll take you up on it. We've never met each other. Right. Never, never in real life. Laid eyes on FaceTime, phone calls. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. And not for very long. So anyway, we like sort of were joking. And then we were like, wait, we had that conversation like, but are we serious? And we both decided we were. So I planned a trip. I was going back down to Florida for a little bit to visit. And I planned a trip with my son to come up here and just kind of see like, Let's see if she's crazy or not. I don't know. (laughs) So everyone knew where I was. And I was coming up to visit Andrea. Literally, she pulled up and got me at the airport. And I was like, oh, you're real. And And it didn't even register, though, guys. Like, we knew each other so well that, like, we got in the car. And I was like. Want to go get Starbucks? We've never met each other. (laughs) And this is, like, I just picked you up from the airport. We've never actually met. And And I don't know if you remember this. I got to your place. And we had a conversation beforehand because I didn't want to bring a big bag because I was traveling with my infant. It was a quick flight. I didn't have, I, I don't think I was allowed to bring a a checked bag. Yeah. So I had a carry on, but I had a baby and you know, any parent knows packing for like a day with a baby is like packing for a week just for the baby. So anyway, I was like, uh, Andrea, what size are you? And we literally, I just wore her clothes the whole time I was here, like barely brought anything. 
used all of her stuff the whole, like, four days. Which, for me, I've never in my life experienced because I am not, like, I'm tall, I'm thin. We're literally the same height. Yeah. We wear the same size clothes. We People tell us we do look very similar. Um, and so it was very... <laughs> What were you saying? Especially when I was really blonde. I used to have blonde hair. And I'm not wearing a ball cap. Um, So anyways, yeah. So like we hung out for a few days. Next thing you know, she's going with me to visit the house that I put an offer on. I'm like, this is a great bonus room. Would you like to move in? This will be your future room when you move here. Do you like it? This This is is for your kids. (laughs) This is your bathroom with your kid. I mean, everything. I was like, so backstory on how Elena and I met. Um, you and know, we we're moved just, in together for almost a year. And like, <laughs> I, guys, like that's a pretty brave thing to do to move in with somebody and with children. Like her kids were two and one, yeah. not even. Yeah, and mine were whatever six and four. <laughs> I don't know how old they are anymore, but yeah, I mean, so you know, two boys, and then she has a boy and a girl. So it was, it was like. But we just knew it was going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, We were both, you know, like she said, we were going through really similar things at the same time. Um, We were both working money. And so for us, like, we definitely had that, that same level of, like, we had the same job. That worked out really well. Um, I really wanted to make sure that she was able to make an income to support herself and her kids while everything was getting sorted out with her and her husband. And, um... Then he ended up moving in a couple months later, which was, you know, great. I'm glad that there yeah. was a happy ending there. But really what we wanted to talk about today, which I wasn't really sure what topic we were going to do, but I got a message from somebody. Um, and you guys, like, I'm just, thank you so much for being so supportive and reaching out and giving me feedback because um, this is, this topic that we're going to talk about is is really discussing how we as business women, as moms of kids, um, operating a lot as single moms. I am. Um, she was for a long time, and now her husband travels a lot. So really, like, she's she mans the ship 24-7 almost. Um, and when he's home, obviously, he helps, which is great. But when he's gone, right, she's she's on her own. So how how did we go through and kind of have our lives blow up in our faces, essentially, uh, and still show up for our business and grow our business. And what did that look like for our teams? What did that look like for conversations we were going to have? So today we're really just going to get a little bit personal and really hopefully relate to a lot of you because everybody has life stuff and everybody has an excuse to not show up for this business. But I think both her and I can agree that this business was our lifeline. (laughs) It was our sanity. It was, we needed this to work. We also loved it. We, we loved the support we got from the team. Obviously we met, we met each other through this and had her life blown up in her face and she just quit money when it did, we never would have met. Um, because we didn't really connect until a couple months after her situation. And so we're just kind of going to go through a couple things that this person reached out to me and they were just really good questions, hard questions about what do I do when my life has been really hard? How do I deal with this with my business? How did you get up on the hard days? Like, how did you show up? And so both Elena and I, you know, have experienced that stuff. And so 
we're just going to kind of like get right into it. Um, so kind of the first thing that we really, I know a lot of people are hesitant and it's definitely a growing thing. Both Elena and I are pretty open books personally with people. Um, but social media is a whole nother platform. And then a team when you have people looking up to you and Elena was in ministry before, um, how do you share with people what's going on? How are you, you know, it's like, how do you share? How did, how can you be so brave to tell people? Um, and I asked Elena that question and I thought Elena's answer was really, I hadn't really thought about it like this before, but kind of share your thoughts on yeah, how you share with people. Well, you know, I have like, of course, with every every question that you could ask about my life in the last couple of years, the answer could be so much longer, um, can be so much more in depth. And my mind goes a million miles per hour, right? Because there's so many different angles, so many things that I've been through. But some of my first thoughts when Andrea asked me, like, you know, how can you be so brave to share your story? What does that take? How do you do that? Is um, one, my story involves at least two people, my husband and I, um, with the stuff that we've been through. And when deciding how to share my story or if to share my story, part of it has been, and I think people can relate to this. Well, I don't like, I want to share my stuff, but it also includes somebody else. And I don't want to throw them under the bus. Like I love my husband. I did. As soon as I found out everything I still do now. So like, how do I share it when it's not mine? Right. And, and again, I think a lot of people can relate to that, whatever your situation is. But one thing I realize is, well, it is mine. I'm facing this and I, it might not be all like stuff that I've done, but I am living it. It is my story, not by choice, but it is my story now. And so I am allowed to talk about it. I need to talk about it. And that's okay. Now, there's details that I don't need to share that are not mine. There are people that I am going to share those details with because I need them to know me deeply. And this is real in my life, the stuff that I'm going through because of someone else's decisions. But I'm allowed to share those things with some people because otherwise people will never fully know and understand, right? And you need some people to really understand. But then for the rest of everyone, there's a way to be vulnerable and to share without sharing all the details that do belong to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so one, it was deciding like, I'm allowed to share it because it is my story, even though it wasn't my decision to be my story. But the other element, so that was one element that stuck out to me. The other element that stuck out to me when Andrea asked that question is, you know, how are you brave enough? I'm going to say it this way first, and then I'm going to reword it. My, my first response in my head literally was, well, like, how are you brave enough not to share your story? And what I mean by that is it takes a lot of guts not to talk about what you're going through, because when you don't talk about it, it's like a, a wound that is like festering. Like you're not cleaning it. You're not dressing it. You're not changing the dressings. You're not putting any ointment on it. You're literally stuffing it under a rug where it's dusty and dirty and gross. And you're just like hoping that it gets better. And we're used to this level of transparency we've learned in this business that like it's good to be transparent. It's good to be real and honest. And it's fun right. when that's like, oh, this is our vacation. And this right. is the car we got. You know, it's it's easy to be transparent about the really cool things. Yeah. But then, you know, when it comes to being transparent about the other stuff, it's like, Err! and obviously, right. you know, like she said, there's a way to say things 
and we'll get to the second in a minute, this, this thing in a minute about communication, but, um, you know, we're scared to as leaders or just people in general on social media. We don't want people to feel sorry for us. We don't want people to feel like, oh, she's going through this. So my team is going to just kind of back away from me because they don't know what to say or they don't want to bother me because I am going through a layer of hell, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, when, when we, but in reality, when somebody shares something like that, we don't need anybody to understand. We just need the people to not leave. We just need the people to just be like, oh my word, I'm so sorry. And whatever information they get under, like just be as understanding as possible and don't, don't leave me through this. And I think we're blessed with our money family that we don't, but there are some people and, and I went through this, you know, I decided to share finally when I ended up moving out of my house and, you know, we had had problems way for a long time that I never talked about to anybody really, definitely not on social media. Um, but to my team, I ended up, you know, I made a video, I took notes and we were coming up on a big convention and I just felt like I had to just put it out there so that I wasn't asked by 9 million people, where's your husband? Uh, cause he always went to these events with me and I really didn't want to have to retell a story or give what version I don't know and so I I did make a video just saying you guys are seeing a different background because we're you know we're separated right now I don't know how this is going to work out it's it's been a tough road but um I just want you guys to hear it from me like this is the true story because everybody mm-hmm. likes to talk and so we have that fear of that of like well if I put myself out there everybody's going to chatter right. well guys you've got to be okay with chatter because I know what I lived and I know what my story is and Elena know what she lived and her story and the chatter for me, yes, it stings. And, you know, Elena's had her own version of chatter and and people kind of just backing up and leaving because they either didn't, didn't agree with her or the situation, or they just didn't know what to say. And that was, that's almost most hurtful Yeah, when you're going through something, you want to be supported. So I think sometimes we are like, no, I'm not going to talk about that because I don't want people to just walk away because they don't know what to do, or maybe they don't agree with me, you know, like separation and divorce and, and these issues, you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, you're getting divorced. You know, some people have very strong opinions about it. And I had to be okay with the fact that this is my decision. This is what it is. I don't know how this is going to pan out. Uh, but for now, I just need for you guys to know this. And I want you to hear it from me. And I am here for you. I'm not going anywhere. Um And for Elena, I started hearing that she was going through a hard time because she had told her, her mentor who happened to be her sister-in-law that, listen, like this is bad and I need a minute. And so, you know, Elena's like a rock star. And then Elena kind of fell off for a few weeks and, you know, she was like, guys, she's going through a really hard time. Like we're kind of helping take over some things. And by helping take over some things, let me just like put this out there for a second One of the things that's been incredible in this business that I now, like, I'm desperate to offer other people because of what it did for me is people literally, you know, some of my coaches, my friends, Andrea included, people would literally take my business and, like, hold its hand when I couldn't. Like, I would still, I chose, like, I need to show up. I was also a mom of two young kids. I was like, I need to show up and I will. (laughs) Yeah, I had an eight-week-old baby and a -a one-and-a-half-year-old little girl. I had just moved states, left my old job, moved in with my parents. I mean, it was, like, so much change. 
but I needed the business mm-hmm. for my own mental health. I needed something that was going to get me out of bed and working and distract mm-hmm. myself. But I also felt like I can't take rejection. I can't take yeah. hard conversations. I like, I'm just not in the mental space. And so these other women, my coaches, my friends, my family literally like would talk to my customers, talk to my clients, talk to my team, help coach them, help put orders together, and then literally do it through my account, through my business to to continue helping my business grow. So I still got five paychecks that month, mm-hmm. even though some days I felt like I don't, I don't even know what I did today, but mm-hmm. I showed up. But that was such a huge difference. And, you know, one, being a vulnerable enough to let people know what I was going through, at least the minimum at the beginning, yeah. um, so that they could help, so that they could be there. And then also not feeling like I had a lot of fears. And I know Andrea just touched on this too. I had a lot of fears of, oh, well, I don't want to disappoint my team. I don't want to, mm-hmm. like, I don't want them to feel like they can't rely on me anymore. And, yeah. you know, I had all these thoughts and fears. But I had to realize, but the truth is that I can't do all the same things right now. Right. And I've I've gone through a few different times in my life like this where I used to suffer from really bad chronic migraines, like 29 days out of the month when I was in the ministry. Happened maybe right, uh, let's see, two years before I had kids. And I had a lot of those fears. I'm, you know, like I'm not what my ministry needs. And if they had somebody else and somebody better, they could do X, Y, and Z. And I'm falling short and, you know, not reliable. And I remember one woman... Her name is Cynthia Powell. She was one of the um, women who was like a little bit older who led in the church. And one day she pulled me aside and she was talking to me and she was like, Elena, you are teaching them something that nobody else could teach them who doesn't suffer with the migraines or, you know, now more relatably like the life stuff. Like you are teaching people around you a lesson. Maybe you don't want to be teaching them it. Maybe you feel funny teaching them that lesson, but you are teaching them how to take care of someone who's supposed to be leading them and serving them. As a leader, you're really just a servant, right? Like we serve those who we lead, but you are actually teaching them to serve the person who usually serves them. And that is a valuable life lesson that Mm -hmm. if I was doing the things that a leader is supposed to be doing, right? Like just giving to them, giving to them, giving to them, they naturally will take the position of take, 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 take. Mm -hmm. But what an amazing life lesson to actually be in the position where you look at somebody who's supposed to serve you and you see their needs Mm -hmm. and you see, oh, they're hurting. They need someone to love them. They need someone to serve them. So although usually they give to me, what can I do for them? And that lesson through me being in pain and not being able to do all this that I wanted to do, not being able to give and serve, I was able to teach them, even though I didn't want to it all, all the time, I was able to teach them yeah. roundabout way how to take care of me and then how to take care of other people in that position. And in my Monate business, it was the same way. It was growing a team that really like really cares about me. And that sounds so selfish mm-hmm. sometimes coming out. And I think that's why we fight against that. We don't yeah. We don't want to be the one that teaches someone that lesson. It sounds so self-focused. And yet... This was the lot that God gave me. This was the cards that I was dealt. And and he chose, like, this is what you are going to be here for. And I had to just really embrace that and realize, you know what? At least I can teach people boundaries. I can show people it's important to take care of yourself. It's important to be able to say, you know what? I want to be there for you, but I can't today. Maybe tomorrow will be a different day, but right now I'm going to fall apart if I keep going. I'm going to burn out. And how many people in our world today don't have boundaries and just burn themselves out over and over and over again? Yeah. And I lived in the burnout cycle for a really long time in my life because I was very, I just protected myself. It was self-preservation. Um, I had a few friends, but, you know, I really didn't let many people in until Moni. And then everybody really proved me wrong. And I know that at any given time, if I needed something 
there would be an army that would be like you just did what knocking down someone's door yeah they would and they're like that's so like empowering and that's why I love this business and this is if you're not in this business this is a side you don't see is that you know we're not just left to hang to dry and figure it out ourselves we truly want to help each other because we're women we get it we've all been handed something in our life that we have had to walk through that is awful that we didn't choose that's miserable that's that's everything um so i think you know in reality everyone goes through stuff so for the team needs to support the leaders right like the team if and because we're all, you know, in network marketing, it's our friends that are on our team. It's our family might maybe that are on our team. And, you know, if you communicate it the right way and be like, listen, I am just, this is just bad. And I just need a minute, you know, so-and-so is going to be helping you guys. I've seen so many people be like, I'm going to work even harder because I really want to help her and make sure that like, she's okay. And I want my business to grow, but like it, we, if this is the only way I can help her is to like grow my business. So she's still getting a paycheck. Like I will do whatever I have to. And people, it's like in our nature, people want a reason to help somebody else because when we help somebody else, we just, you know, it, it gives us this, like, that's what, that's how Jesus takes care of us. But, you know, it's just like when we're in a funk and we're in our head, but if we go help somebody else or we go serve somewhere, it gets us out of our selfish nature. And then we're like, okay, the world's a little bit bigger than my circle. And mm-hmm. somebody has it worse than I do. Um, so, you know, there's that element of like the team is there to support and should be there to support. So if you're a team and you know that your leader is going through something, don't shy away from her. Obviously, give her space be there just send a text you know but don't leave like don't treat her like she has the plague or something she doesn't like, have the she plague. needs people around her yeah um she needs to feel needed and and valued you yes. know like when when people don't need me at all or like start avoiding me because I'm going through stuff and they want to take care of me it makes me feel like I'm not capable yeah. right like that actually yeah. helped me and that you're training a, failure, a team like coaching working my business it actually gave me a purpose during mm-hmm. that time and something to do that I felt like okay I'm good at this okay I, I close that sale I'm helping someone with their hair I can coach this person and help them hit that rank like mm-hmm. there was something that it woke up inside of me and so yeah you don't want to take that away from someone you don't want to take away their purpose in the midst of when everything else is falling apart everything yeah that, and that's what I said a lot you know to um a couple people in corporate and just even, you know, just the team is that if I didn't have money, I really don't know where I would be mentally, physically, emotionally. This has been like my outlet. We want to work, but sometimes, you know, and and the question was asked, how do you take care of your mental health when you are going through this, when you do have a demanding business, you do have demanding children. You do have this other situation that's completely wrecked you that maybe you're, you're in the trenches. You don't know what you're going to do. You're living this day in and day out, or maybe you're getting out of it. Like I did, you know, I ended up leaving and then, you know, I had a whole new a whole new battle to fight of different things. Like there's always, it's always something. There's always a process of something. Um, So how do you protect your mental health? How do you still work your business and show up? And for me, there were some days where I couldn't 
I, I couldn't. I, I was in bed. Or I had a hearing or I had a meeting or I got news about something and my mental health and my mind was just tanked. I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't cook dinner. I couldn't be on the phone. I just wanted to lay in my bed and I just wanted to do nothing. And I had to learn to allow myself that day um, because I'm used to working and I feel lazy if I take a day. Mm -hmm. Um, So learning that taking that day in the long run is okay. And I would reach out to my team and my leaders and my upline and say, listen, I am going to be MIA today. I will be back tomorrow and maybe give them a blip of what's going on. Maybe not. Um, but they would know my life. And so they're, they could assume it was something, um, and, you know, be like, I will touch base with you tomorrow, but can you just, you know, can y'all handle whatever, or I've got this zoom that I'm supposed to be running. Can somebody else take this over for me? Um, and, you know, like protecting my mental health and taking that day was sometimes the best thing for me, but I wasn't, I wasn't leaving my business. What's the quote where it says, um, you can take time off, but just don't quit or something like Hmm. that. Um, it's like, you can, you can take a minute, but just don't stop. Just don't give up. Don't, don't just completely walk away from it. And, that was relieving to me because I'm like, yes, it's true. Sometimes you just need to rest, but then, but then you get back up and you keep going. And, you know, for me, my mental health, it went up and down through different things that were going on. And, um, I was on anxiety medicine before, you know, I ended up getting divorced, but then things happened where my health was not in a good place. My blood pressure was really high. I did have to go get additional medicine just for me, my, my health to be okay. Um, and then, like I said, like, you know, I had that flare up a couple months ago for a few months and Elena asked me about today and I said, I knew it had to be coming eventually. Um, but you know, it was, it was rough, but your body can only take so much and learning to pace yourself and yeah. still be in it. But honestly, like this business saved my mental health too. Um, it, this business, like she said, gave me a purpose and I woke up every day, not feeling like people are depending on me. I have to do this. It was like, I know I have, I know I have things to bring to the table. I know that I can help somebody today. And again, that kind of brings you out of your like fog of just like, what is my life? How is this happening? Nobody else has to deal with this. Why me? Why this? Why that? Um, But then whenever you get to focus on something else and even during COVID, honestly, like, you know, having this business to focus on and not just sitting there staring at the wall all day, because that is not good for anybody. Yeah, it's not going to help you. You might need it on a day or a moment, but it's not going to help you long term. And I mean, I'll just mention this kind of as an aside for anyone who might be going through anything similar to what Andrea and I have gone through. I know we haven't given you all the details, but just hardships and marriage, relationships, whatever. Um, Andrea left her situation. I stayed in mine. I mean, I, you know, took some time, but I stayed in mine. And I just want to put this out there because we were talking about this before. Um, some people around you, maybe you yourself internally will tell you and will, you know, you might feel like one way is right or wrong, Mm -hmm. um, or one way is easy and the other way is hard. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to have an opinion, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, well, you're just being weak for leaving or you're being weak for staying. But the point is what I want to share is 
it's hard to stay. It's also hard to leave. Mm -hmm. It could also be easy to stay or easy to leave. Like there's not one right answer. And it's not like one thing is easy and one thing is hard. They're both hard. And this Mm -hmm. is something that I think both of us had to come to terms with over time. Um, And I'll speak personally for mine. I realized some things about this would be super hard if I stayed. Some things about this would be super hard if I left. Mm -hmm. Because you can't run away from anything that happened. You'll always have scars. Mm -hmm. And there's hardships of that too. And so anyway, just to kind of put that out there in case you guys, anyone is facing that. I know one of my loneliest one of the loneliest things in all that was feeling like other people thought there was a right answer or a wrong mm-hmm. answer, or I didn't want to make the wrong choice. I didn't want to be weak and make decisions out of fear. And I really had to just start considering, like, am I making this decision based off of fear? That was the biggest thing for me mm-hmm. is I don't want to decide anything off of fear. I don't want to stay out of fear of being alone and leaving, of changing my normal, of what can I afford it financially, of being a single mom. of Like, I didn't want to decide to stay because of fear of leaving. Yeah. But I also didn't want to decide to leave because of the fears of staying mm-hmm. and what that would look like and what, what if something happens and, and what people would mm-hmm. say and... Anyway, so just putting that out there, but back to the question at hand though, this idea of like taking care of yourself in all these different ways, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, business. Um, One thing that I did early on, and I'm actually just got back to this now because surprise, surprise, these things don't go away overnight. It's not like you work on it for a month or even a year and then you're better. Like I'm still very much in recovery from stuff that I've been through Mm -hmm. that I have faced and I've realized I actually haven't been putting enough time into it recently. And so I feel like I've been surviving um, and kind of on the defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of thriving and on the defense rather than on the offense and handling everything. So I've really gone back to this where... I work my business every day. That was a decision that I had to make. I'm going to work my business every day. Another decision that I made is I'm going to spend time with God every day, whether that was praying. Honestly, it wasn't often reading my Bible for hours because I couldn't handle it. My relationship with God during that time, and it's very important to me to have that time with Him. It always has been. But for me, it was like... I'm just going to do the right thing today. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that is hard enough. That is my Christianity right there is I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to say the right thing. I'm going to not say the wrong <laughs> thing. Like that decision in and of itself made me feel close to God because yeah. you better believe I was like holding on by a thread. Mm-hmm. Like that was everything inside of me. So yeah. spend time with I know, God every I said, day. Yes, I said a couple days ago to somebody, I know Jesus lives inside me because everybody's still alive in my circle, you know, like I haven't haven't committed murder. No, but I haven't gone to jail. Like I know that there is a God because if it was just us doing this on our own, this would look a lot different. I'd be a whole lot of mess. It'd be be a bigger mess than it already is. Um, But yeah, so for you, you worked your business during the day, but then at night. So at night, I, every night would, for and yes, force myself. I would force myself to sit down and to journal. And sometimes that was more like a prayer. Sometimes it was, I had this workbook that I was going through based on some of the stuff that I faced with my husband. And I honestly, most nights didn't want to do it because I was with two kids all day. I was working a business. I was coaching people. I was taking care. I was living in a house with 20 other people. Um, There was never a dull moment. And I was so tired at the end of every day. I just wanted to forget about it. But I knew if I don't deal with this, this is going to explode. It's also not going to get any better. So I would force myself to sit down when everyone was in bed. The kids were in bed. My parents were in bed. My sister and her family were in bed. Yes, we all lived together. My grandma was in bed. My cousin was in bed. Can you believe there's still more? My pets were in bed, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) 
the bird flew in today. The mice that were running around, hopefully, were sleeping. Actually, they were the only ones that were awake. Um, so me and the mice journaled. And it, was a, it was a bonding experience. Quality time, trust me. Um, so I would sit there at the kitchen counter. I would light a candle. Yes, that was part of my routine. Yeah, Along with my notebook and my workbook, I had my candle sitting on top with my special pen. It was a whole thing. I'd sit there and I lay it all out. I'd light my candle. I'd have my cup of tea and I'd sit there and I'd go on my workbook and I would journal and I would just cry. Mm-hmm. Like I would bawl my eyes out. Sometimes and it was 10 minutes. Sometimes it was an hour. I didn't typically go longer than that because I just couldn't, I didn't have much. enough in me. And then I'd go to bed and I just mm-hmm. decided I have to do this at night because there's probably all these things I was triggered by during the day, all yeah. these hard moments. I was taking care of other people. I also need to be able to function after these kind of things. And I knew if I do this in the morning, I yeah. won't be able to function during the day. Yeah. So I did it at night. I would cry and then I'd be exhausted and I'd fall asleep. But I needed that every single day at the beginning because mm-hmm. otherwise I I wouldn't have worked on myself. And yeah. you you can't run from that. Because you don't get better. Even if yeah. you throw yourself into work or throw yourself into your kids, that was a temptation too. Just be a great mom all the time. But Which we did a lot, but you can't just do that. Yeah, you have to face yourself because otherwise you don't get better. Like yeah. I And I told myself this every step, every single day. I told myself when I was going through all this stuff, I am not broken, but there are pieces of me that need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And if I don't work on fixing those... I will affect other people in negative ways around me. Maybe Mm -hmm. something happened to me and I was the victim, but I can now be, what's the other word than victim? Like the, I can be the one damaging somebody else if I don't Mm -hmm. work on me because when we are hurt, we naturally do hurt other people, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And so Mm -hmm. I need to make sure that I'm not making somebody else the victim because I'm not dealing with the things that are hurt inside of me. Yeah. Um, So that's just, guys, I would just encourage you, like, Kind of how she said, but there's uh, routines and rituals when you're going through really hard things that you really have to have. And like she said, it was as simple as her special pen, lighting her candle. (laughs) For me, it was, you know, I had a ritual that after every co-parenting session that was just a nightmare as an understatement, um, sitting in a room, being triggered, having to talk about things, getting nowhere, just, just being frustrated. I had something that I did, you know, I went to a certain place for lunch and I had the same thing. And so every two weeks I knew that I was going to go do this. And then after I was going to go do this and then I was going to go on with my day and compartmentalize, but taking the time to process, but also having this super, strict ritual, which kind of like meditation, it's kind of a form of meditation, journaling, but it's something that you know. And like for me in the mornings now, I've got my chair, I come downstairs, I get my coffee, I sit in my chair, I don't do anything. Maybe I'll pull up and kind of start doing a little bit of work, or maybe I'll, you know, listen to a podcast or do self-development, or maybe I'll just sit and stare at the fireplace. But I know that every morning when my feet hit the floor, I put on my sweatpants, I don't get in the shower, I go downstairs, I get my coffee, make sure the children are alive. <laughs> and don't talk to me. Don't, I'm not doing anything. I might have to break up a fight or, you know, help somebody do whatever. But like, that is my time because if I don't get it, my day is going to be a wreck. And then same thing. Once they go to bed, like I'm not an anxious cleaner. Elena is. She <laughs> likes to have the house super clean before she goes to bed. It's I problem. couldn't care less. I'll get to it tomorrow. So for me, it's crawling in my bed. It's getting on my phone. It's working. It's winding down. Um, there's different things that I've had to put in place that I know in my head 
are a, for a fact going to happen in this day? Because when everything else is blowing up around you, and even in our business, you know, like we're problem solving all the time. We're helping other people and we love it. It's, we thrive off of it. It's what we're good at. It's what we enjoy doing. But again, when you're pouring into people all the time and you're dealing with other things, you've got to feed yourself a little bit. And when you're a mom, just a little bit as like taking a bath or just it's anything little. It doesn't have to be major that you've got to start doing for yourself that you know at the end of the day, this is this is how I'm going to start or end or do something that's my like stability. So yeah. we're going to wrap this up. I hope that helped you guys. Um, we still are with Monate. Obviously, um, Elena has earned her Cadillac um, through this hard time. She qualified for Crazy. it. Uh, they drove down here in it. I, you know, hit the top rank. So then I got a Range Rover. So, you know, we both have cars sitting in the driveway right now. And I just started crying this morning when I looked at her thinking about everything that we've been through and then seeing how far we've come and still dealing with things. You know, they're not gone away. They're not solved. They're better in a lot of areas. We're better in a lot of areas personally. And just learning to not give up, not quit. And that this business, you know, there's no price tag on the friendship. There's no price tag on looking at that accomplishment. There's no price tag on how proud your kids are for what you do. And I know as single moms or moms in general, we can have mom guilt, but our kids are so freaking proud of those cars. Like, they well, know. And I'll just say, too, like, I told my team this when I got my car. I didn't, when I realized I earned it, like, that moment when I, like, hit my qualification and I earned my car, I didn't cry. Um, but I remember thinking, and I told this to my team later, the most emotional part for me and the most surreal part for me was not just getting the car mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever. It was the fact that I had a dream. Mm-hmm. I was terrified. I mean, I remember when I first work. moved in with Andrea, I took a picture with my kids sitting in front mm-hmm. of her car and I thought, this is the dream. I want this for my kids. And it's not, again, it's not just the car. It's so much more than that. But I wanted that, and I dreamed for it. And then, of course, life threw a million curveballs, right? Because it's never like, here's your dream. It's like, Mm -hmm. you can't have it. So when I got that car, when I picked it up, when I went test driving my Cadillac, I remember just feeling like this is not about the car. This is about the fact that when life threw me the hardest stuff I've ever faced before, I did not back down from my dream. Mm -hmm. And that car is like, there's so much more to show from my amazing kids and how incredible they are. And there's so many things that I can look at and be like, that's a product of this time. That's a product of this time. But I knew like, when I look back at the hardest years in my life and I look at my car or, you know, in the simple way, for me, that's a sign of, that's what I decided to do. One of the things that's one of the things Mm -hmm. I decided to do with hell in my life. Like I decided to have a dream, to work for it, to not care about what other people thought, to, you know, not just sit on a couch and curl up in a ball for months on end, not to just neglect my kids or throw myself into my kids. Mm -hmm. I, I decided to work hard, to dream, to believe, to push through obstacles in order to hit my goal. And that's what that car is for me. It's when I had every excuse not to, that car is a symbol that I fought for my goal, even through the hardest time. Yeah. And people who are like, you can't get it or people, and it's inspiring to people too. Even people who aren't, will never join my business or buy my products. They're like, I'm just so proud of you. Like 
you really work hard. And I'm like, you see that really? <laughs> yeah. You know, because you only see social media. You have no idea what we do behind the scenes because right. we, really, we really do work really hard. Um, and this is, we're very business-minded and oriented. But yeah, th- those cars for us, like when I got that, that was like, it wasn't about the car. I really couldn't care less to drive a Range Rover. I'd be happy to have my my Forerunner back. I'm gonna be honest, guys. I mean, it's a very nice car, and I love it. I'm so happy. Thank you, Monty. But it was like that. Like she said, it was like this. I did it. Like I freaking did it. Congratulations to me. Like this car just came with a bow. Like Elena, you are a rock star. You know, like that's just what that is for us. And so for you guys, I want to encourage you to keep pressing on because it's worth it. It sucks, but giving up sucks really bad too, because the alternative to giving up is it's pick your heart, right? We say that all the time. Choose your heart. Your heart is stay at home with your kids, pour into your business, take time for yourself, mourn, do all the things, or go back to a nine to five, don't see your kids, mourn, grieve, do all the things, come home, have no time to see them, barely pay your bills, or grow yourself, grow your income, grow your team, and and do some do this for yourself to yeah. prove to yourself that like I will and can do this. We are women, we are humans, and we can do anything we put our minds to. And with God's help, I mean, I don't know how people do it without it, but you know, like with God's help, like that's that's how we get by and with our friends yeah. and with our team. And that's why I'm really thankful that Elena's here. I just love her and miss her. And I'm just so thankful she could do this today. And um, I'm glad that you could hear from two people with similar stories, yeah. but hopefully it's encouraging to you guys. So Elena, thanks for driving just for this podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh, of course. <laughs> it's the only reason. <laughs> and she will be back to do another podcast that will hopefully be later because we do think we're very hilarious. Um, so, but we're going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks, guys. Um, next time I I will be having a business chat with you guys. It's going to be the beginning of January. So we're going to talk about how to just really kick off and have a really great mindset for the year. I'm your host, Andrea Samantha, and I'll see you back here every Tuesday.